Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode one of the Elevation Podcast. This is where we're going to talk about all things healthcare. Hopefully, you'll get some value from it, and uh, feel free to reach out. Anytime, we'll put some uh, information in the show notes on how to best get a hold of us, and uh, any show suggestions are welcome. So, as this is episode one, we just wanted to quickly go through who we are, why we're here. Elevation Healthcare started about a year ago, beginning of July 2020. So, Vaughn. You and Casey, and Casey Martin is our third partner. You'll hear from Casey in future episodes. Vaughn and Casey started uh, with the idea that we always wanted to be as far in front of our clients as we could be, as far as capital development, um, because we had seen over the years that there were some challenges, specifically with budget and time. And once those decisions were made on poor information or lacking information. It just, it never got better. Fair to say, Vaughn? Yeah, that's uh, that's absolutely fair statement. So we worked together, just a little background on the three of us. Casey, Vaughn, and I worked together uh, at a different consulting firm years ago. Vaughn and I have been working hand in hand for about 11 years now. Um, and Really, the birth of Elevation started shortly after I met you. It was it was always kind of, we were never in the right place at the right time. Um, the right place always seemed to be months or years prior to our engagement. So that was really what you and I had always talked about. You know, if only we could get in earlier. And so here we are um, all these years later and we're in earlier. Yeah, absolutely. It was a, um, uh, you know, we wanted to be more proactive than reactive. And many times we saw where a small change at the beginning of a project would have uh, altered the course of that and solved the problem that never should have happened in the first place. So as I said, Casey, our third partner, you'll hear from in future episodes, just to give you a little background on Casey, Casey is really our risk um, compliance person. He really looks at things from, you know, what could go wrong and really help our clients kind of mitigate that. Casey's a, uh, an attorney, so don't hold that against him. Vaughn has been in the industry for 38, 40, 40 plus. I don't want to date you. <laughs> well, I started when I was 10, so... Uh... <laughs> Um, yeah, it's it's been since uh, 1982 for those who are counting. And that has been largely on the operation side. Um, I've been at this for longer than I care to admit. Um, I think it started in the 90s, um, mostly on the construction side and then later on the consulting project side. Uh, the experience really is wide ranging, but I guess we could break it down into five buckets, Vaughn. Is that fair? Over the years, our experience has said there's there's five five areas that really impact how healthcare operations work. And those five areas can be kind of put in buckets on planning, design, construction, activation or commissioning, and operations. And within those five buckets, the further down you go, uh, the harder it is to make 
corrections. Just like any project you look at, the bathtub curve starts at, it's easy to make changes when it's just paper and pencil. It's harder to make changes when it's concrete and steel. Right. And that, that was really getting back to what we had talked about earlier. That was really where we felt we were never there soon enough. Um, I would say in the past years prior to, to beginning our endeavor, um, it always seemed like the design was set in stone, which means the budget was approved and the challenges that that presents when all of the I's aren't dotted, T's aren't crossed is really, I wouldn't say unrecoverable, but it really presents challenges and they seem to live throughout the life of the project. Well, it, you know, from a, from a personal example, when I was in health operations, uh, when I had a project, the, the very first thing that everyone wants to know is what's it going to cost. And when something is in a uh, planning stage, a lot of times it's, it's hard to put a real number on that, especially with the advances in technology uh, and uh, most recently with the uh, cost escalations. But in the past, you would have to come up with a number. You would have to take that number to the board to get that approved. And uh, if, for anyone who's ever done that before, that's not a cakewalk. You have to have a lot of documentation. You have to have a lot of backup and uh, it's it's hard to get money because uh, healthcare as a as a business is a difficult um, prospect to start with anyway. So going to the board and asking for money and getting that money approved and then coming back and doing the due diligence you really need to do to get to what it's really going to cost uh, is typically more than what you asked for. And going back to the board for more money is uh, almost uh, never going to work. Um, so it's important to get it right up front because otherwise you get into situations where you have to start cutting scope or uh, infrastructure or technology that all comes in at the end of the project in order to get uh, the project completed. So with the development of elevation, best way to say it, Vaughn, is we were trying to figure out why. Why did we want to be here? Share with me your your why, what it meant to you. Um, well, so, you know, it it's we've always had a hard time and still have a hard time, even though we've been doing this for a year on our own, to answer the question, what is it you do? Um, and, you know, there's, there's always talk about, well, how, you need to have your elevator speech handy. And for those of you who know me, I don't I don't speak in sentences. I speak in paragraphs. So that was kind of tough for me to do. But it boils down to my why. And as a group, all three of us, uh, we've experienced uh, how projects can get marginalized in those five areas that we talked about, planning, design, construction, uh, activation, and operations. And when you think about those five different things, um, there's a, there's a lot of varied and complex reasons why those happen. But the bottom line is it typically falls into um, one uh, common thread. And that thread is uh, the process where the budget and the schedule are set early on. And that then, as you said before, persists throughout the life of the building. So a lot of times we got called in on a project 
late in the day, late in the late in the project. And we found out that, um, you know, a decision had been made early on or a budget hadn't been set or a, um, you know, a contractor would say, well, that's an owner cost. And the owner uh, had no idea what that cost. We, we see that happen a lot in technology. But our why was if we could make these informed decisions earlier, if we could give the clients the relevant information they need to make that decision, because we also understand margins. We also understand limited capital um, available to build these projects. So it gets into this uh, conversation of let's understand all the impacts to the decision you're about to make, both short term and long term. And sometimes, you know, the short term decision doesn't seem to make a lot of sense until you look at the long term. So that was kind of my why was as an owner, I made, I was unfortunately or fortunately or unfortunately, however you look at it, I was in a position where I had to fix my own mistakes because I was there for so long. Um, You know, if I'd only been there for five years, I probably could have skated and not had to go back and fix those. But those were quite um, eye opening to say, I made this decision on this project at this time frame because of budget and schedule. Had I known right. that I was going to have to come back and fix that, uh, I would have made a much different decision. So that's, that's kind of my why. Right. And I guess for me, for me, it was the intersection of the two, right? Every time we looked at an issue, you would always have this operational oversight. And I guess, I really wanted to understand this from a building perspective. What did it mean you know, for our clients to undertake such an endeavor? So for me, my why was always listening to a little bit of Vaughn and understanding what operations meant and drawing on you know, years of planning, construction, and really starting to realize that wherever it happened in each individual project, there always seemed to be a disconnect. And I always kind of laughed, Vaughn, that, you know, your favorite, one of your favorite sayings to me as we were going through this process was start with the end in mind. And having an end in mind or what we thought a project should look like or what a client's expectations were always seemed to get lost and not in totality, but parts of it seemed to get lost. So I think that for me was really what I wanted elevation to look like. I wanted, you know, you, Casey, and I to be able to advise clients um, in a complete way and, and hopefully draw this all the way to the end of a successful project that, you know, as you said before, doesn't have to have a project after the project. So I guess um, for me, maybe you can answer this as an operator be it from the C-suite or the physicians, what's at stake? What, you know, what, if you were going to call elevation, what would you look for us to do? Well, that's, um, you know, the, the, there's an old saying that says um, every system is perfectly designed to get the outcome it gets, which sounds like, a, you know, a flash of the obvious, but the reality is, uh, if we look at what's going on in healthcare today, there's a lot of problems. Um, there's a lot of, uh, you know, I, when, when I was uh, uh, working in a hospital and a lot of the uh, people I know who are still working in hospitals, 
there's a code that they put out when CMS or Joint Commission or DMV show up at the door. And the purpose of that code wasn't just a, you know, a nicety to say these people are going to be here, be kind to them. It was a go hide the stuff that's non-compliant. Uh, and I mean, that's the, that's the, the, the dirty laundry, at least for me and my facility when we were doing that. So the question is, all right, did we design this facility to be non-compliant? Uh, and the answer is no. Um, you know, a, another, a great example that was out on a, uh, a discussion board recently was talking about uh, temperature in the ORs. And it's a, uh, you know, I dealt with that back in the 90s, and it's still ongoing today. And what happens is, is you'll get surgeons that will call down and say, the room's too hot, make it cool. Um, and the, you know, you look at how it was designed, it was designed to ASHRAE 170, you know, that says 68 to 72 degrees. Um, so that's what you're designed to. But the reality is, and what I found out as an owner, uh, back in the day when I had a surgeon pounding his fist on my desk saying I'm sweating into the wound was 68 doesn't cut it. And, uh, we didn't know what it really took, but as we monitored the temperature, we found out that 62 degrees was what, uh, he needed to be comfortable. And the, while the, the standard gives you a temperature range, it also gives you the ability to lower that temperature for patient need. And again, you get into the conversation of, well, um, the patient doesn't need it. It's just the, the surgeon who needs it. But I would argue that uh, the surgeon's going to do a much better job when they're not sweating and hot and uncomfortable than they would, uh, you know, the, the, just because the, you, you can't just say I'm at 68 degrees, so I'm meeting the design intent. Um, the reality is the design intent is not what the, the process needs. And so that, that whole component of, uh, codes and standards versus real world needs to be developed so that when you're planning this up front in your functional program, you talk about the fact that you're going to have to have rooms in an OR that's going to, uh, exceed, uh, the standard and how are you going to document it? How are you going to um, make sure that the patient contains, uh, you know, the, you look after the patient from a normal thermia protection. Uh, I mean, that's, that's still important, but it can be done. And we've done it in several hospitals around the country and it's pretty easy to do. Um, but if it's not designed up front and you try and put it as an add on, it becomes very expensive. And, you know, it's interesting. I think the important part of that is there really is an intersection. I've heard that at just about every industry function that, you know, we've ever attended. Um, the intersection of codes and standards and operations. Um, this is it. This is what it really means. This is the intersection. So we have a, you know, ASHRAE 170, as you said, dictates temperature settings. The reality is, if that doesn't work for the delivery of healthcare, there are ways around it. And, and I guess owners and more specifically facility directors need to understand that their boundaries are going to be stretched. Uh, architects, engineers, everyone needs to know that this can get changed at a moment's notice. But the important thing, as you said, 
how do we document it and where does that documentation live? And I think as long as we have a proper understanding of why we did it, what procedures we have to put the temperature ranges back in place, um, I think that's the important part here. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, you know, what is the best route forward for the patient and the staff? Um, and it's a, you know, as you've heard me say over and over, you know, begin with the end in mind. If I want an OR that's going to uh, maintain temperature and humidity uh, levels that are going to be most conductive to positive outcomes for the patient, then I'm going to have to exceed the temperature limits. And if I don't plan for that up front and I try to make the room really, really cool, but I can't now keep it under 60% humidity, then I've just created another problem. I made the surgeon happy, but I've created another uh, infection control problem. And if we begin with the end in mind and design that up front, uh, the cost to do that is uh, negligible to trying to fix that later. So from a reporting perspective on it, years ago, you went through this, I believe it was after you left the operation side and came to the consulting sides, you worked on some documentation protocols, did you not? Yeah, we did. We, uh, you know, we knew this was a problem and it was, uh, I was working for a healthcare design firm and we assembled uh, a uh, kind of a multidisciplinary group. We had IT, we had uh, uh, CNOR uh, on it, myself, uh, electrical engineer, mechanical engineer. And uh, we, we looked at the entire process and said, look, we have a building that's giving us all sorts of information from the mechanical system. And we have an information system that's giving all sorts of information from a patient need perspective. If we tie those two together and let them talk, um, we can figure out what it needs to be and whether it's out of range or not out of range. And so we came up with a process that, uh, you know, you used all this data together, would automatically document uh, what was going on, when it was going on uh, with the patient. So now you had that documentation at your fingertips if anyone needed it or asked. And you also had uh, a notification system that said when something was out. So this, you know, was capable of going anywhere in the hospital. Um, and uh, so the, the cost, uh, we used it also to turn back the OR down to 25% uh, when it wasn't being used. And that actually paid for the cost of the install. Um, and that was a hard, uh, hard return on investment. The softer return on investment was, uh, you know, more difficult to measure. But if you have a surgeon who's happier, if you have staff who's happier, if you uh, you know, if your cases take less time because uh, the environment's better, that all has a cost associated with it as well. So it's, it's again, that's something that you don't think about when you're budgeting it up front for, in the bricks and mortar component of trying to get a budget together. But it's a component that uh, is there and you can optimize the systems you already have to give you the information you need to operate in the most effective measure. So just an illustration of, you know, how what what could seemingly be like a small detail is really part of that end product that really owners have to look at from the from the very beginning, because that all drives budget costs and schedule. So hopefully the 
illustration there is to show the interconnection and you know some of the issues that aren't necessarily seen at the beginning of a project. Um, I hope this adds a little insight into who Elevation is as a group, um, how we assist our clients, how we could help out. I think Vaughn and Casey and I are certainly interested in hearing any feedback. As I said, we'll drop some information in the show notes about how to get a hold of us. Um, any questions or topics for future shows, please stay tuned and just thank you all for listening. Thanks for taking a little bit of time out of your day and we will talk soon.